Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. David Cohn. Dr. Cohn is Professor of Biomedical Engineering and Professor of Dentistry at the University of Michigan. Dr. Cohn, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I have the understanding that your focus is on biomimetics and understanding and subsequently mimicking how nature designs materials. Can you elaborate on that in terms of your interest and your status of your research? My lab is interested in the specific area of biomimetics related to biomineralization. And biomineralization is one of the oldest evolutionary processes. It goes back about 60 or 70 million years. So there's three aspects of mineralization we study in our lab. One is top-down, looking at mineralized tissues that nature designed, bones and teeth, understanding how they're put together, and with biomedical relevance, what causes skeletal fragility. The second component of the lab is bottom-up, using some of the principles we've learned from 60 or 70 years of mineralization to design better materials, materials that can more proactively interact with the physiological environment. And then a third area is not the promotion of tissue growth, but the inhibition of unwanted tissue growth, such as cardiovascular calcification or craniosynostosis, which is the premature fusion of the skull sutures. So you look at this for soft tissue and hard tissue as well? Mostly hard tissue, mineralized tissue. In a perfect world, you had you reached your goals. How would these technologies be applied in clinical practice? So in a top-down approach, the standard metric that every postmenopausal woman gets diagnosed with is a DEXA scan, which is a metric of bone mass. Unfortunately, that's a coin flip. In other words, only one out of every two fractures can be predicted because of low bone mass. There's something else that is driving the other 50% of fractures. So if we unravel what is in that black box of so-called tissue quality, then that sets up a framework for developing diagnostics and better prediction of who might be susceptible to fracture. In the bottom-up approach, if we can develop strategies to create better interactions between materials in the biological world, then we can catalyze a regeneration of mineralized tissue defects that may not heal ordinarily. We may be able to expand the population of patients that are amenable to these therapies, such as a patient that's undergone irradiation or chemotherapy in which the healing is going to be compromised. And then in terms of inhibition, basically with prevention of plaque forming, is that correct? Yeah, examples would be plaque forming in the blood vessels. If we could either reverse it or prevent it or truncate it through some of our technologies, and that would be a major advancement. Uh, In the area of craniosynostosis, which is a premature fusion of the skull sutures. When a baby is born, the sutures are open and allows them to expand as the brain grows. If the sutures are closed, then there's no ability for the plates of the skull, the bone plates, to expand, and that causes a restriction on the brain and can result in a whole spectrum 
of abnormalities from just aesthetic to significant retardation and even death. So the ability to rescue a disease over mineralization such as craniosynostosis would also have significant benefits. So what's the state of the art in these areas now? Are any of these technologies available clinically? The state of the art in terms of craniosynostosis is just uh, surgery and hardware to uh, keep the sutures open. State of the art in regenerative therapies, there's a variety of materials therapies, a variety of cell-based therapies, a variety of growth factor or biological-based therapies in all combinations. So we're looking to create more specific interactions between the material world and the biological world as a means of accelerating these types of therapies or giving them a, a boost in their efficacy. So in terms of your research at the moment, what are the principal tools that you use to try to achieve your objectives? I'm a bioengineer by training, and most of the grad students and postdocs in my lab are bioengineers. So we have a very, very large toolbox that includes a variety of engineering as well as biological and animal technologies. On the engineering end, we do a lot of mechanical testing at different levels of scale from the whole bone down to the nanoscale level, a variety of materials evaluation and compositional evaluation from various spectroscopies, NMR, HPLC to look at different constituents and tissue composition. On the biological end, a battery of cell and molecular assays. And so whole gamut of tools geared towards answering these bottom-up and top-down questions in both in vitro and in vivo studies. I believe you're also involved in, in dental issues. My work is related to mineralized tissue, so I would say close to 100% of our work has relevance to dentistry, but not a lot of it is exclusive to dentistry. So it's um, mineralized tissue, musculoskeletal related, that is applicable to dentistry, but orthopedics, plastic surgery, ENT surgery. So I see that some of your work is on bone regeneration. Is this related to bone fractures or is this demineralization of bone? So it's regeneration, uh, me trying to meet the unmet clinical need of bone that does not heal on its own. It could be a fracture, it could be a defect uh, due to a genetic defect, due to a disease, due to a tumor resection, any number of reasons why a bone may not heal on its own. So regeneration encompasses a variety of problems. So we've had previous guests on this podcast that have uh, talked about soft tissue engineering. As you're well aware, there's been some great advances in that area. I have the impression that bone tissue engineering is not nearly as mature as soft tissue engineering. Is that a correct observation? I think the mechanical demands may be greater, which means the challenge uh, sometimes greater. The other reason is there's a lot of therapies that work well that don't necessarily fall under the umbrella of tissue engineering. Metallic hip replacements have been a gold standard for uh, 60 years. Uh, It's plenty of hardware for 
fracture fixation. So there are other therapies, but there's been a lot of advancements in bone tissue engineering, and some of the barriers are not necessarily scientific. There's been many advances, uh, clinical trials on a variety of different therapies. Very good. So Dr. Cohen, I know that you and your colleagues at the McGowan Institute are working on a new regenerative medicine initiative. Perhaps you can share a brief overview of that work? Sure. So we were fortunate to have been funded by the NIDCR, the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research, that institute of the NIH, to establish a national resource center in the area of regenerative medicine as applied to dental, oral, and craniofacial tissues. This is a new initiative meant to catalyze technologies and bring together not only a technical assessment, but also bring together teams in an integrated fashion that can help overcome some of the other translational barriers. So we will evaluate projects from the partner institutions as well as externally on a technological level, on a level of clinical need, on a level of commercialization and market potential, on a level of regulatory needs and on a level of manufacturing and provided an integrated analysis at the onset of a project in the hopes that this would catalyze projects to get to the FDA and the clinic's doorstep more quickly than the traditional route of funding technologies and sometimes after the fact looking for an application or looking for a commercial potential. We want to integrate this and number two do it at the onset of a project as a means of boosting some novel technologies towards actual translational therapy. So if somebody who's listening wants to avail themselves of these services you're offering, how do they go about that? Twice a year we'll have a request for proposals and those proposals will then be evaluated by the different teams that this resource center is funded to put into place. Again, the technological attributes, the clinical need, the regulatory potential, etc. So there will be on the website that we're establishing the request for proposals and the exact logistics of submitting them, the proposals that would then be evaluated by our resource center. Proposals that are given a green light would be given next steps on how to exactly utilize the resources of the center. Proposals that have some questions will provide feedback to either better direct the PIs of these proposals toward a resubmission to our center or better direct them to alternative funding strategies or better direct them scientifically. So we hope to be more than just a resource center to pick winners, but uh, more of a sustainable center that can actually guide investigators to more appropriate use of regenerative medicine technologies. So it's going to be quite a resource. Thank you for sharing that. So, Dr. Cohen, I uh, understand that this website is uh, still a work in progress, but should be available soon. We will post the website URL on the podcast website for anybody who's interested. So, Dr. Cohen, and I understand that in addition to all of your laboratory duties, you're assuming leadership responsibility in the Society for Biomaterials. Is that correct? 
Yes, so I've been on the board of directors for several years, and I'm currently the president-elect. I'll take over as president at the meeting in April. I think it's been a great society. I've been a member of it since I was a graduate student some 30 years ago, and it's probably the most broad and all-encompassing society in the area. It's not strictly tissue engineering. It's not strictly cell biology. It's not strictly medical devices. It covers all of those aspects of biomaterials with a large industrial presence, government presence, and very heavy student presence. It's been a very student-friendly society to me when I started and to this day, and I think it's a great organization in that regard for catalyzing someone's career in the field of biomaterials. Well, congratulations on your upcoming responsibilities. We wish you well in those duties. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to you today. So as we conclude this podcast, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. We encourage our listeners to offer suggestions in terms of podcasts. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.